Welcome back to another episode of Win Championship Repeat Boston Sports Podcast. And on this week's episode, we're going to be looking at the Patriots and their matchup uh, this week. Football, uh, we're going to be looking at what I believe to be the um, potential options for the uh, Red Sox this offseason, the different plans um, as I put them uh, in place. And um, then we'll be looking at the Celtics and how they're doing, and a little bit with uh, Jalen Brown for a second. So let's get started with uh, that. So I want to start with the Red Sox for a second, and I want to kind of put this in um, to sort of some categories here. And more importantly, what I believe could potentially be different paths the Red Sox take this offseason. So the first one to me is kind of run it back, if you will. Um, run run it back with uh, re-signing um, Schwarber and kind of filling your roster with Erod and some of the other relievers and maybe kind of tweaking small areas of need. Uh, so we'll talk about that. Then there is all-in, which is basically going after the biggest names and getting the best players and going in that direction. And then sort of the take a step back, which is potentially taking a step back and making some moves to maybe get rid of some players or move some players. And I'll give you kind of my take on all, uh, you know, on all of them. So uh, let's get started. So run it back basically means keeping, like I said, Schwarber and you know, Rodriguez signs long-term, maybe adding in another pitcher in the starting lineup, or starting rotation, I should say, because I think they need that. You know, the rest of their team, pretty straightforward. If you bring back Schwarber, he plays first base. Um, you have JD, you have the outfield, you have your infield, you have your catcher. Maybe if uh, Connor Wong is uh, getting to the point where he could be potentially a backup, Maybe you get rid of uh, their backup, uh, Kevin Perwoski, and trade him for a reliever, and then you bring Connor Wong up from uh, the minors as sort of the backup catcher for your team. Maybe he becomes a starter eventually, but for now he's a backup. And you kind of keep things as status quo. Maybe they get another sort of multi-facet, multi-tool infield outfielder, Kike Hernandez type, who kind of is a, a bench piece who can play, you know, multiple positions, whether that be shortstop, second base, you know, third base, outfield, see what happens potentially. Um, so, yeah, that's basically what it, a run-it-back sort of scenario would be, where the team looks very similar, and you take the fact that you guys did good, you have Chris Sale, hopefully healthy, Evaldi, Pavetta, Hook, etc., and you move with that sort of core, and just your relievers closers etc everything's pretty much the same and so i think there's uh you know something that can be said for this being what their plan is it might not be what i believe but it could be what ends up happening at the end of the day then the second model which i call going all in or all in basically is what it says this is the red sox taking basically every rumor about potential big names and throwing it into the pot and saying let's go for it right 
signing potentially Justin Verlander, signing Carlos Correa, signing a big-name guy like maybe Anthony Rizzo or Freddie Freeman at first base, maybe trading some of your prospects for a more established veteran outfielder, maybe going out there and getting a solid closer who's not like a free agent closer, but someone who's like already established, trade for someone who's like a dominant closer on a team and do something like that. So if the Red Sox say, hey, this season was good, we made it past uh, the first round, beat Tampa Bay, we were close to what could have been a good series against Houston, maybe we go out there and say, look, we could beat Houston with the right roster, adding in all these great pieces, going all the way. We could easily go out there and add the pieces and be arguably one of the best teams, if not the best team, in baseball. And the fact that, okay, Atlanta ended up winning, and they were a good team, but they weren't, you know, dominant. San Francisco lost. They were the best. They weren't dominant in the playoffs. Same with the Dodgers. So they could just say, let's go all in, and... You know, we could have Devers and Bogarts and Carlos Correa and Anthony Rizzo and an outfield and a, a closer and some starters and Verlander. And, you know, it doesn't have to 100% be going all in in every position, but going all in and getting all of the pieces and, you know, going in full force rather than just filling a need with a reliever that makes sense going for the best reliever or instead of, you know, going for potentially a starter that's maybe your two or your three or uh, something lower. Maybe you go for someone who could be like a dominant, like ace type guy per se. So all in. And then there's take it back, which um, I guess you could say sort of regression a little bit. So Borgards potentially could be a free agent. Maybe they trade him away in some sort of a deal like a Mookie Betts type situation and then maybe Chris Sale, they move him in said deal, sort of like a David Price uh, Mookie bet situation where you're trading away all of that money in uh, Chris Sale and all the Bogarts for prospects. Maybe you trade him to a team and you get like a Verdugo type situation where you get a shortstop who comes in and is like a decent shortstop um, with a lot of potential just so, like a Verdugo, and then you get some, let's say they get a, a prospect first baseman who's like the future at their first base, and they get a reliever who could be like a closer for them in like two or three years. So they would be taking a step back and saying, look, we got a lot of players that are good, but maybe we got some players that are making a little bit too much money. We don't need them on our roster anymore. Kind of erasing some more of the Dombrowski mistakes and kind of trying something like that. I mean, maybe they decide, hey, we're going to do some combination of stuff. Let's say they feel like Bogart's, yeah, we don't want to pay him. So uh, instead, we'll get rid of him. And maybe, you know, they get rid of a few other players, kind of mix and match the roster a little bit. Maybe kind of take a step back in the sense that, you know, they kind of add more prospects to their sort of arsenal um, and uh, potentially do something like that. So, of these three, I think the run-it-back method is what they probably will do. I would love for them to go all-in, and I've already discussed what I think their ideal offseason should be, but 
assuming that for the Red Sox, let's say Correa is somebody who is definitely interested and the the Cora connection with the fact that, you know, they're a very good team in Boston and, you know, I think uh, it makes a ton of sense for me to see Carlos Correa come here and other guys um, as well. And the fact that Xander said, hey, I'm open to moving to second base or wherever you need me, I think is a good reason for the Red Sox to decide to go all in. And so I think they're probably going to maybe not go all in per se, but my guess would be maybe they do go after Correa and add him into their lineup and maybe they bring back Schwarber and maybe they kind of have some sort of a go all in combination, keeping a lot of pieces also adding where they need to, getting some sort of a closer in there, getting a reliever, you know. I think we could see if, let's say, Correa does come here, we get rid of Christian Arroyo and they get a, you know, reliever or some prospects or what they can, right? And I think, you know, according to a lot of the articles, if they do land Correa, then Bogarts will they'll move him to second base or at least ask him to move to second base. If they sign Marcus Simeon, then... Um, I guess he would just play second base. And I think Correa turned down, obviously, six years, $120 million, um, in March, um, which was low. And then I guess they got mocked. He got mocked again, five-year, $160 million, uh, as the season ends, which obviously not so hot. But if the Red Sox are willing to pay him for, you know, nine, ten years, um, it's definitely possible. And so... As a Red Sox fan, I would like them to kind of go all in because you just kind of want to see what they can do with that. But I don't know if they're going to go full all in, adding in top tier pitching, top tier infielders, outfielders, etc. I I would ex- assume the outfield is probably the same, and I would assume that the big splash will be at shortstop because there's a ton of shortstops who are very good and all star level on the market. And Correa, with the core connection and the fact that Maybe he sees a path of winning a championship in Boston more so than winning a championship in, you know, Houston. I don't know. And maybe just the whole fact that Houston has the stain of being, you know, the cheaters and everything associated with that. Maybe Correa doesn't want to be kind of in the mix with that and doesn't want to be sort of in that, like, um, world, if you will. So, um You know, I think he'd be a good fit for Boston. We'll see what happens moving forward. Taking a move to the Patriots, who now have uh, Damian Harris, who is out. Um, I am pretty sure that for the game on both sides, we have top-tier running backs who will be sitting the bench. Um, If uh, that's the case, uh, Damian Harris will be uh, one of the guys who is out, as well as Gunnar Oslowski. We have Nikhil Harry, who's questionable. We have Ramondre Stevenson, who's questionable. And we have Jamie Collins on the injured reserve. Other side, we have Dimitrik Felton, running back. John Kelly, running back. And uh, Tarisk McKinley. All of those guys are out for Cleveland. And then Greedy Williams, cornerback, is questionable. And their first-round pick, Jeremiah Azawu-Koromoa, linebacker, is uh, questionable as well. So, according to the, the ESPN trackers, uh, 56% chance Patriots win, 43% chance uh, Cleveland wins. And I think the Patriots right now are tied with the Browns in record. And to me, 
Mac Jones might not be playing as good as Baker Mayfield in some sense, but also could be uh, playing uh, just as good because uh, Mac Jones has 2,135 uh, yards, 10 touchdowns, 7 interceptions compared to Baker's 19, 17 yards, 8 touchdowns, 3 interceptions. So maybe, you know, they're on a similar playing field in a sense. Obviously, um, the spread is minus 2.5 and, and the money line is minus uh, 135. Um, and uh, so if you're looking at the bets and stuff, so... This is going to be an interesting one because uh, now that Damian Harris is out, they're going to have to rely on Brandon Bolden, Ramondre Stevenson, and J.J. Taylor. And Patriots are very questionable at that running back spot, especially without James White in uh, the game. So for Patriots, it's going to be an interesting one with how things are going. Obviously, um, they are uh, four of their last five were victories. Compared to the Browns, who were two wins and three losses in their last um, however many games, five games in this sense. And so, yeah, I'd say the Patriots are going to come out on top. Is it going to be a blowout? No, but I think the Patriots could easily win this game by a lot more points than uh, people expect. So, at the end of the day, Mac Jones, if he can get you know his receivers open, he'll be pretty good. So, in this one, he is going to have to rely on his wide receivers more so than the running game because there is no Damian Harris to back him up if things go south and so we'll see what happens so Odell Beckham Jr. is not coming to New England he is now um, going to the Rams and the Rams just lost uh, Woods uh, to an injury and it's uh, very fitting that Odell will make his way to um the Rams, but Patriots uh, did not get him. Patriots' uh, former quarterback Cam Newton is now playing with his former team, which is his current team now, the Carolina Panthers. So that happened recently. I guess Sam Darnold hasn't proven he is a worthy quarterback. And I mean, honestly, no offense to Sam Darnold or to Zach Wilson or to any uh, anyone who has been a Jets quarterback, but if you get drafted by the Jets, you should not be happy because that means your career is probably going to stink, right? If you look at the quarterbacks they've had, they haven't really had a lot of success in recent years, whether that be Mark Sanchez with his butt fumble and with Geno Smith and with, you know, now uh, Sam Darnold, who was a top five draft pick. And you also have a top five draft pick in Zach Wilson. And those drafts were not far um, distance-wise. So, obviously, um, the Darnold experience didn't work out, and Zach Wilson's still a question mark because it's his first year. But if you get drafted by the Jets as a quarterback, eh, it doesn't look good, my friend. If you get drafted by a lot of other teams, it could work out. But, yeah, I'd say they don't have a ton of success with quarterbacks at all, at least in recent years. So, um, Maybe Fitzpatrick was there at one point, but he, he's just a journeyman who's been, like, everywhere, and he's still in the league, um, despite being, like, one of the oldest quarterbacks out there, for sure. But, um, yeah, uh, Donald's having issues, so Cam Newton goes back uh, to Carolina. Patriots still have Mac Jones, who I think it was a fair bet to say 
was the better quarterback to bet on because Cam Newton was never going to be a part of this team long term. Their plan was to have Mac Jones start at some point. Why have Cam Newton even start in the first place? Just put Mac Jones in there as the rookie, give him his minutes, let him do his thing, and hopefully everything works out in the end, which he could be a good quarterback. As I've been saying, if he's got the pieces, he can be a good quarterback. Boston Celtics, let's get started with that. So the Celtics have not been doing good this year, and the Celtics as a team are in the Atlantic, one of uh, the worst teams in the NBA, and more importantly, the worst team in the Atlantic division, which um, is saying something because Toronto is better than them, the Knicks, Philadelphia, and Brooklyn, which obviously we expected Brooklyn and uh, Philly and New York to be much better than the Celtics, um, just because they're better teams. But the Celtics just haven't gotten it done um, at all. And um, Jalen Brown has been out with a hamstring injury, which has been uh, plaguing him for a little while. Dennis Schroeder in the game of overtime against Milwaukee was actually very good, I will say. Had his uh, career uh, high with the Celtics and uh, was very good. for them, Robert Williams uh, had a double-double in that one and is uh, is making strides in the right direction. Jason Tatum is averaging 23.8 points a game and Schroeder 5.6 uh, assists per game, leading the team. Robert Williams is leading the team field goal percentage 74.3%. The defensive side of things, um, Robert Williams leads with almost nine um Almost nine rebounds. Uh, steals per game, Mark Smart 2.4, and blocks per game, Al Horford 2.3. So if I look at this team, and I look at sort of where they are right now, and that's with Jalen Brown and the rest of these guys, Dennis Schroeder has proven to me to be a very good player, and if Jalen Brown comes back, and this is just my opinion, Marcus Smart's got to sit on the bench. Uh, Marcus Smart has been garbage this season offensively and I'd rather take Dennis Schroeder and whatever defensive liability comes with that over the offensive issues um, of Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart is a problem and it's about time to move on from Marcus Smart as much as you know I don't want to say it he's run his course he's uh, definitely um, run out his welcome here he is a good player I will say uh for what he is um, good with, but he can't score, and he can't really shoot, and he takes too many shots, and the whole fact of him calling out Tatum and Brown, who are the two best players on this team, obviously, it's it's not a good look, and Marcus Smart's going to get moving, right? Al Horford has been great this season. Uh, coming back, surprisingly, um, he's averaging 12.7 points, 8.8 rebounds, and I didn't know what to think with Al Horford. Obviously, they got him in here because he is a expendable contract. Most of his money is um, going to uh, be gone next year. I think he's uh, got $12 million off the books. 14.5 uh, will still be left um, in his final season if they decide to, to do that. But uh, after a piss-poor stint in Philly and... In Oklahoma City, he came back to Boston where he had a lot of success and is kind of picking up where he left off. Obviously not as good, but around there. And, you know, he's older. 
and he's had uh, you know wear and tear as expected, but is a very good power forward slash center for their team. And I don't know exactly where Boston plans on putting him. If when Jalen Brown comes back, he's going to be sort of the bench big, and they're going to do a Grant Williams Al Horford sort of power forward center combination, and Tatum moves to the power forward, Jalen Brown to the small forward, Marcus Smart to the uh, shooting guard and Schroeder to the point guard. That's probably my ideal lineup is uh, Schroeder, Smart, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and Robert Williams. And then having probably, um, you know, Peyton Pritchard and then Josh Richardson and Romeo Langford and Grant Williams and Al Horford as your backup five. And then I guess for the rest of the guys on the team, which would be Broderick, Thomas, Romeo Langford, Nesmith, Parker, and Cantor kind of filling in the sort of back end if you will so to me if if I think this is you know what the Celtics group is going to be it's probably not the greatest and so what I want to look at now is something that is kind of being shined a light on because of this season and also just kind of the rumors involving the Ben Simmons Jalen Brown thing which obviously um it was uh, reported Ben Simmons uh, Celtics had interest in uh, 76ers wanted Jalen Brown and Sham Sharonia put that out. He also failed to mention, uh, which is the truth, is that Celtics just said no thank you and hung up the phone. Or maybe not hung up the phone, but said no thank you and they were done. So he left that out of his article, obviously to stir up the pot a little bit, even though there was no freaking pot to stir Celtics would never trade Jalen Brown whether he's better or worse right now he looks better whether he's actually a better player who knows but um I guess at the end of the day uh at least for me um this kind of shines a light on something and it's the fact that I think Tatum and Brown play a lot of similar style of play and it kind of leads me to potentially open my sort of mindset to the potential for Jalen Brown to get traded. And I know there is a large portion of Celtics fans who love Jalen Brown and never want to see him move, never want to see him leave. And I understand where you're coming from because he's good. Uh, but at the same time, it might be time to move on from Jalen Brown because he plays a such similar style to Tatum. Maybe adding in somebody else to potentially make the team a little bit better might be a better situation. So I am going to look at the players that I would trade Jalen Brown for. Now, these are guys who are, I wouldn't say attainable um, because some of them aren't even on the market, but guys that if they were available, I think I would make this move. And I'm not talking about like Kevin Durant or Giannis. I'm talking about like actual like names that have potentially been thrown out there or guys that I think they would consider making some sort of a move if needed so the first one's pretty obvious Bradley Beal um, his name has been thrown around obviously because of the Tatum stuff and the fact that you know the most recent rumors you know Tatum has said I'd love to play with Bradley Beal and you know obviously the media takes things way out of proportion obviously that was said in more of a hey wouldn't it be cool if we played together sort of thing not like Tatum being like, hey, let's play together. It's more like just fantasizing. What would it be? You know, like two kids who are like, hey, what if we made it? You know, 
and we both, you know, made it in the NBA. Sort of, that sort of thing. But I would love Bradley Beal, and I think he is a true shooting guard who is sort of a better, more consistent shooter and is not more of a stretch uh, sort of combo small forward shooting guard like Jalen Brown. So he would be sort of my first sort of player that I could say, yeah, I'd get on board if the Celtics made a move for him. And I think he would be great. Then, this one's an interesting one, but DeBontis Sabonis. And I think you would have to make this deal with other stuff involved. So, I'm not saying the Celtics could pull this off, but if they could get DeBontis Sabonis and Malcolm Brogdon for Jalen Brown, I'd be 100% open to them doing that. I think Sabonis, obviously, um, is 25. You know, he's a power forward center, double-double guy, all-star. Um, and I think, you know, does a little bit of, you know, what the Celtics need. He can kind of stretch his range. He's great on defense. He's obviously someone who can play the power forward or the center. Uh, and I think he'd be a great piece if the Celtics went for him. And I probably wouldn't do a Sabonis Jalen Brown swap. I think I'd need other pieces involved, but he is someone that I could say, yes, uh, I could get behind that. Bradley Beal obviously would be, um, notches above Jalen Brown so you'd have to add other stuff into this deal not much but you'd have to add other stuff to make it work so I would definitely do that um, with uh, Beal and Sabonis if Sabonis and Brogdon or you did something with like Sabonis and um, Karius Levert and maybe other stuff I don't know uh, but I could see that happening next we're going to be taking a move to Phoenix and this one um, is uh, very interesting if the Celtics are willing to go sort of uh, down this road, which is Devin Booker. Now, I don't think Devin Booker is actually available, but if he is, he would be a great, you know, pick for the Celtics. You know, he's a true shooting guard, a great scorer, a better three-point shooter, a better scorer overall. Um, somebody who is honestly doing similar numbers to Jalen Brown a little bit. 22 points, 6 rebounds, 5 assists, compared to Jalen Brown, 25, 6 rebounds, and 2.5 and assists. So, Devin Booker obviously would be somebody I would say uh, I'd pull a trigger if that was a trade that was potentially um, available. Next is uh, someone who's probably not available, but you never know. Donovan Mitchell, who is a shooting guard, 25 points, 4 rebounds, 5 assists. Uh, obviously, I love Jalen Brown. But uh, I think Donovan Mitchell, I like him uh, as well. And he'd be a good choice if they went down that road. Um, so I would uh, definitely consider um, consider him as an option uh, for sure. Then we're going to go to the Portland Trailblazers, Damian Lillard. So obviously Damian Lillard is not available. And he's made this pretty clear on his own right. But Lillard with... You know, 20 points, 8 assists. He could be a dominant sort of point guard that they need. And he's someone that I think would play well with Tatum. I think they kind of both shoot, but they do uh, sort of different things um, as well. So I think he could be a, um, a good piece to have. And if they want to go down that road, go down that road. Next is um, somebody who I would take... 
but not on his own right. I would need more into this De'Aaron Fox. So I love De'Aaron Fox as a point guard, and I think he could be a good starting point guard. He's young. And so if the Celtics traded Jalen Brown for De'Aaron Fox, you'd obviously, in my opinion, have to add more going to Boston. But he is somebody I would kind of want as my centerpiece because he is, you know, filling that need. Obviously, we do have Schroeder and Peyton Pritchard, but Schroeder's a one-year, and Peyton Pritchard I don't think will ever be a starter-level point guard. So De'Aaron Fox would be great. Obviously, Sacramento has um, uh, Davion Mitchell, the rookie. They have Halliburton, who's shooting guard. Uh, and so they have two guys who can kind of ball handle. So obviously, they wouldn't need, in this case, um, Fox and Jalen Brown would fit in seamlessly at that um, that uh, you know small forward position. And then uh, next is Carl Anthony Towns, who is not available, but if he was available, he would be the perfect combination. It would be like Jason Tatum, Carl Anthony Towns, Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett. That is the number one player that I think the Boston Celtics would uh, go out for if he was available and the guy they should go out for. And honestly, of all these names on this list, Bradley Beal might be someone they'd trade Jalen Brown for, but they'd have to get assurances he'd stick around, which I don't think that'd be too much of an issue. But Carl Anthony Towns, I think, is the f first player and the only player on the list of guys that I uh, know of where Brad Stevens wouldn't really have too much of an issue getting rid of Jalen Brown to get him in there because he is a big need. He's young, he's talented, and is the perfect piece uh, for sure. And so um, he would be a great player to have for sure. And then the final player on our list, similar to some of these other names, he's not somebody I would take straight up, uh, but is somebody who, if the deal was right, he could be a centerpiece, and that's Brandon Ingram. So if Brandon Ingram is not happy and he does not want to be in you know, New Orleans anymore because things are not working, he is a small forward, uh, but he's not the shooting small forward like Tatum is. He's sort of more of a, you know, defensive-minded small forward, more of a, you know, combo small forward, power forward like Tatum, but not as good of a shooter and can kind of do a lot of other things, facilitate, kind of stretch uh, his uh, range and, you know, kind of give uh, good spacing. And so if he was um, sort of a centerpiece of this deal for Jalen Brown, I could see that taking place because he could, you know, play the power forward or the small forward depending on where Tatum goes. And he's averaging 25, 7 rebounds, 4 assists. Tatum, 23 points, 8 rebounds. Um, so I could easily see something like that taking place. I don't know if it would, but hey, um, that is an option. So those are some of the guys um, I think that could really work for Boston if they were to move from Jalen Brown, which they're probably not, but it just, the fact that he was brought up in these Simmons rumors just makes you think, like, is there a situation where you could see him actually getting moved? Or is this kind of like, you know, it? Obviously, if Kevin Durant was available, obviously, if Steph Curry was available, obviously, if Giannis was available or Luka, then no question, they'd throw Jalen Brown into a deal and they'd get something done using him as that focal point. But the guys I looked at are guys that 
most of which aren't on the market, but are guys that I think are more attainable in the sense that they're not like off limits, off limits at the end of the day. Yeah, some of those guys will never get traded, but um, they're guys that I think Boston would have interest in and could, uh, I could see myself, um, you know, see those guys getting moved. We'll, you know, and so Celtics need to make some changes in my opinion because things aren't looking great. Maybe they'll just ride out this season, get a lottery pick, and see what next offseason brings. Uh, but Brad Stevens, it's his first year. Yudoka, it's his first year in their roles, and we'll see what happens.